Think about our relationship with God, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, all people are accountable to God. That's what a lot of people don't think about. Some people say, if I just ignore God, if I think there is no God, then I just do my own thing. But that's not true. You know, God is God and He rules the whole world. I can remember when I was 10 years old, I was throwing this baseball in my front yard. And it was a curb, and I was throwing it against the curb. And if I missed the curb, it would go down the yard and into a glass window, if I missed. And my daddy came out and said, don't throw the ball with the curb because you, you're gonna, it's going to hit and break the window. And I said, no, it won't. And I threw it and missed it, and it broke the window. And I, I started to run, and I thought, well, where am I going to go, right? I mean, where are you going to go? And I think that's the only time in my life that I can remember my daddy whipping me. And he said, I'm whipping you not because you broke the window, but because I told you don't to do it, and you did it. And so, so we think about when we sin, when we do things wrong, that be not deceived. God is not mine. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. Uh, we, there, there's, there's always consequences to what we do. Good consequences, good things or bad things. We think about it, God's going to raise up Elijah to give bad news, bad news, to, to, I says, to them, bad news, that's Ahab and Jezebel, bad news concerning God's judgment. Now, they've already been bad. Uh, Jezebel is not a believer. She worships uh, uh, the false you know, the false god, Baal, and she's turned uh, Ahab away from the true God, and all of Israel is suffering because of it, and Israel as a whole is turned away from God. We saw that she had 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah. We've already seen that Elijah had a great victory and destroyed uh, 450 prophets of Baal, and, and then he went through his depression, and we're going to talk more about that in just a second. But as we look at this passage, we're going to see Naboth, we're going to see who he is. He has a vineyard, we're going to see Jezebel's plan on this whole thing, and then ultimately Elijah's prophecy. We will not get to the prophecy this morning, that'll be next week, but I want, I'll give you some, some, you know, some, some pre previews a little bit about it. As we think about these three people, it's the same thing over and over. We see that Ahab is wicked. A wicked king of Israel. And I'm going to tell you, I think he's weak. <clears throat> he became king because his father was king. I think he's a weak king. He's a weak person. He's an evil person. And I think if you look at Jezebel, she is a very strong personality. She is a wicked queen. She is an evil person. And I think you're going to find that there are two evil people there. And I mean, really evil. And then we have Elijah who's a prophet of God. He's raised up by God. Now let's just say it. Listen, Elijah's a sinner just like we are. We're all sinners and I'm sure of the Lord of God. And our insights, our thoughts. Listen, nobody wants our thoughts put up there, right? I mean, some of our actions are bad, but our thoughts are even worse than our actions. And, and we know that Elijah was a man just like us. And we could say that Elijah was evil, but let me just say something. Elijah wanted to live for God. Elijah was a prophet of God. Elijah served God. But both Jezebel and Ahab were wicked. And they continue in their wickedness. And they reject the true God and and do evil things. And we're going to see it. There's really a contrast between man's character, which we see greed, lying, murder, sin, and God's character, which is perfect and patience and just. And we're going to look at that. As we get to chapter 21, you may remember that we skipped a chapter. We were in 19. We skipped chapter 20. Chapter 20 really doesn't have anything to do with Elijah. Chapter 21 does. We'll see it a little bit later. It won't be this week, but we'll see what leads up to Elijah coming involved. In chapter 20, it's just amazing to me what God does. In chapter 20, the king by the name of Ben-Hadad, who was king of Syria, came after Ahab. And he came after him. And there are two different battles. And guess who won both battles? Ahab won both battles. And we, say, we think to ourselves, okay, you're wicked and bad, and you're turning the whole nation away from God, and God lets you win. And he did. God let him win. In fact, God in his grace 
keeps the northern kingdom alive, keeps going. And, and we'd look at that and we'd say, I, I just don't get that. But listen, there is a king called Manasseh, and he ruled for 55 years. And he was the, the, it says that at that point, Manasseh was the wickedest king who ever lived. And at the end of his life, he humbled himself, and God says, I'll show grace to him. We go, you're going to show grace to him? He's in the 55 years, he's been the worst king, and you're going to show grace to him? What about us? Does he show grace to us? Every minute of every day. Now, we, I'll be honest. Most of us in this room, I hope, are not as wicked as Manasseh and not as wicked as Ahab or Jezebel. But you know what we need? We need the grace of God in the same way. And so we're going to see what God does. And I, I love this. Well, I say I love this passage. I love the whole end of it. And I, I probably shouldn't because, let's just say it this way. Jezebel and Ahab, it was coming to them. Okay. And I know we're supposed to go, oh, no, no, we don't want that. I'm saying, I kind of want that. But I, I shouldn't think that way. But let's see what happens to him. And let's look at chapter 21. Look at verse 1. It says, now after that, now it came about after these things, these things that he had won victory and everything, that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And so what we find out, there's a guy named Naboth. And, and he lives in Jezreel. And this is where King Ahab has a winter home. See, the capital was in Samaria. But this is Jezreel. It's a little bit different place. And so it, it's, he had two different homes. And so the king actually has a place there. And so we say, okay. In fact, they live side by side. How, would you like to live by the king's winter home or whatever it is? You know, you go. It's probably, probably pretty special. And then here you are. You're just a regular guy. And look what it says. It says, it came about after these things that Naboth, the, the Jezreel, had a vineyard. Had a vineyard. Well, a lot of people had vineyards. I mean, beyond them. And it was beside the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, so Ahab comes to this man and says, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden. And because it's close to my house, I'll give you a better vineyard than it's in its place. And if you like, I'll give you the price of it in money. Now, that doesn't sound like anything wrong with that, does it? I mean, it doesn't. And he says, listen... Uh, I'd like to take your vineyard and turn it into a garden. But what I'll do is I'll give you a better vineyard. Or I'll give you a, a, a pretty good bit of money to, to, to buy that property from you. Now, in, in one sense, that, that doesn't sound bad at all, right? I mean, he says, Ahab will give Naboth a better piece of land or pay Naboth's price. And we could say, well, what's wrong with that? Well, we could say, well, at, at, looking at it like this, is anything wrong with that so far? Nah, wait, wait. Look how... Naboth answers in verse 3. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid me that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. What's he talking about? He says, The Lord forbid. Now, the first thing I want you to notice is, he says, The Lord forbid. That, that apparently, that this, this man Naboth was a worshiper. I mean, he was worshiping. He says, The Lord forbid. I mean, he, he, you know, and he doesn't say capital L, little O-R-D. He says capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He uses the personal name of God. I think that if we said, do you think Naboth's a believer? I'd say he probably is. He worships the true God. He said, the Lord forbid me that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. What is he talking about? Well, think about this. When the nation of Israel came into the land, God took the tribe of Levi. He gave them 48 cities and no land. He then took the other, the 12 tribes, and he gave each one of them, based on the number of people in the tribes, he gave them land. 
And then in the land, every family had their own plot of ground, their own land. And so if you were a Jewish person and you, when they came into the land, your great-great-great-great-great-grandfather had a certain land and it stayed there. And then the next family came. And by the time it got to you, this was your family's land from the very beginning. Now, there was a thing called the year of Jubilee that happened every 50 years. And what made the year of Jubilee so special is if somewhere down the line you got into trouble or you needed money and you decided to sell your land, you could sell your land to somebody else, but on the year of Jubilee, the land came back to you, came back to your original family. So the worst that could happen is you'd lose your land for 50 years. That's the worst that could happen. And, 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 and it's like if you were going to sell the land and if the guy wanted to buy it and there were only five years to Jubilee, he wouldn't buy, pay very much for it because he's only going to have it for five years. Now, if it was 45 years, he may say, I'm going to give you, I want the full price of the land. That may happen. So, what does, a, what does uh, Naboth say? He said, I'm not going to sell you my father's what? Land. This is our land. And it's been in my family for all and all and all and all. And so we could say, well, uh, what, what's the deal? Naboth's family had been given this portion and will always be his family's. And at the year of Jubilee, he would go back if he sold it. So here's the question. Why wouldn't he just say, okay, I'll sell it to you because in 20 years, 30 years, 10 years, 5 years, our family will have it back anyway. Well, that's what it sounds like, but here's some things. In Numbers chapter 35, it forbids selling of land from one tribe to another. So the best I can tell on the front end that the king was one tribe and maybe Naboth was a different tribe, so he's not going to sell his land. Now there's something else. Because we already know that at year of Jubilee, it goes back to the original person. But there's an issue. If the property was in a town and not a field, something happened. So I'm going to read this to you. Okay, I'm going to go to uh, to uh, back to to Leviticus, and it's Leviticus 25. And listen to what this says. All it says is this in Leviticus 25 is talking about the lands and the Sabbaths and the years and selling the property. It says, but on this year of Jubilee, each of you shall return to his own property. Everybody gets their land back. Then he says this. If a man sells a dwelling house or in a place in a walled city, then his redemption right is valid for one year. If it is not bought back from him in one year, that house and land passes to the purchaser. So this was in a city. This was not in the country. This was by the house of the king. The king wants to buy it. He knows that if he were to sell it to the king, if he doesn't buy it back in a year, which the king will never sell it back to him, he never gets it back again after a year. So he'll lose the property for good. So what do you think he's going to do? He's not going to sell it. He said, I'm not giving it up. It's in the city. Now, if it was out in the country, he might do it because they're eventually going to get it back in the year of Jubilee. But he's not going to get it back here. And so, let me go back to First yeah, Kings. So, so here's, here's what happens. So he said, he spoke to him and Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my fathers. And so the best that we can tell, it was inside the cities. That's why he didn't want to sell it. 
and he didn't want to lose it. So look at King Ahab. So Ahab came to him, verse 4. So Ahab came into his house, sullen and vexed, because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay on his bed, turned his face, turned away his face, and ate no food. I'm just going to be mad. I'm going to go home. I'm not going to eat supper or anything. I'm just going to get on the bed and I'm going to be mad and suck my thumb. Right? That's what he's going to do. He's saying, if I don't get what I want, I'll just go to my room and pout. That's what he's doing. So can you see the king of Israel saying to this guy, I'd like you to sell me the land. He goes, no, I'm not going to sell it because I'm not going to give up my, my father's property. And he goes back to the pout, to his summer, his winter home, goes in there, gets on the bed, doesn't eat, and, and is laying there like he's pouting. Because he's mad because he didn't, he didn't get what he wanted. How miserable, I read this thing, how miserable are people who have not learned to bridle their desires, who, do, who don't always get what they want. The lack of contentment is amazing because here he is, he, he's the king. What does he have? He probably has just about anything he wants. He's rich. He's got two, 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 two or three, he's got at least two palaces. He, he's got anything he wants. He's got all the food he wants. He's got everything he wants. And he wants this little vineyard to turn into a garden. And the guy says, no, so he's real mad. So what happens? Look at verse 5. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, How is it your spirit is so sullen that you're not eating food? She came in and she found out that he wasn't eating supper. He wasn't eating. She said, Where's the king? Oh, he's in his room pouting. What? So she goes in there and she goes, What's the problem that you're not in there eating? What's going on? And so he said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it pleases you, I'll give you a vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. So he's telling her that what happened? I went to the guy and asked to buy the land. He wouldn't sell the land to me, so I'm really mad about it. Jezebel, Jezebel's wife, look at verse 7. Jezebel's wife said to him, Do you now reign over Israel? You know what she's saying? Aren't you the king? It seems incredible to her that Ahab the king couldn't take what he wanted. See, she doesn't view Ahab the king as like a regular person who wanted to buy something and the guy wouldn't sell it. She says, you're the king of Israel. You can do anything you want. Isn't it amazing that when some people get into power, that they think they can do anything they want, they can make a decree on you, but they don't have to follow it. Right? You all seeing that happen in our country? People make decrees on everybody except themselves. And Jezebel says... You're the king. You can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter whose land that belongs to. If you want that piece of land, you should have that piece of land. And so she says, are you not the king? She says, are you not the king? Do you not reign over Israel? Arise, eat bread, and let your heart be joyful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Wait a minute. You know what she says? And the, she says, in fact, I, I will get you the land. Now, we could stop and say, how is she going to get him the land? I mean, first of all, that land doesn't belong to her, and she's not the king, and he's the king, and the king can't even get it. How is she going to get it? Because she's more evil. You know, evil people can always figure out ways to do things. Sometimes some evil people, if they would just put their evilness to good, they could do a lot of good things, but they put their evilness to evil, and they do a lot of evil things. They do a lot of evil things well, right? There's some really good, very good evil they do very good evil. And so she says, hey, I'm going to get you the land. She says, get up and get something to eat and be happy. I, I will get you the land. So what's your plan? 
So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. So she takes the king's ring. But she writes a letter and put Ahab's name down and she takes the king's signet ring. All kings had these rings that had these crest and seal on them. And if you wrote something and he pressed that down in there in the wax, it had his seal on it. That showed it came from the king. And if you remember the book of Esther, when they got ready to send out those letters, they had to have the king's seal that, that put on it that said, this is from the, the king. And so what she did is she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, sent letters to the elders and to the nobles who were living with Naboth in the city. So she sent it to the, you might say, she sent it to the rich and powerful people of the city, the elders and the nobles. And she's got a plan. It's deceptive. It's lying and it's murder. And we're going to see she sent it to the elders of the city. So she sent it to the, to the fancy people, the people that got the money, the people who make the decisions. Watch what she does. Now she wrote, verse 9, she wrote in the letters saying, Proclaim a fast and seat Naboth at the head of the people and seat two worthless men before him and let them testify against him saying, You cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. Now here's the plan. She says, call a fast. In other words, let's call a, 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 a kind of a special event. And let's bring Naboth and put him at the head. Like he's kind of the guest of honor. And we're going to have Naboth come as the guest of honor. And everybody's sitting around. And while he's sitting around, two men. They're called worthless men. Two men will then say, we heard Naboth Curse God and the king. None of the Mosaic law. What happens to you if you curse God? They stone you to death. And how many witnesses does it take at the mouth of two or three witnesses? So she's got two witnesses who are supposed to come forward at the banquet and say, Oh, by the way, I heard him say, I curse God and the king. And the guy said, I heard him say the same thing. I heard him say, Curse God and the king. So she says, that's the plan. And she said, two, see, two worthless men there. And let them testify against him. And, and by the way, the worthless, the, two word, the, the word worthless means sons of Belial. We would say scum. We would say trash. We would say wicked, scummy, trashy people who have no character and they're going to bring those two men in and they're going to testify against a good man. Do things like that happen today? Of course they do. Give, enough people, give some people enough money, they'll do anything. They'll say anything. They'll lie about anything. They'll kill people. I read an article. It's been about 15 years ago. And it asked a hundred people Would you kill someone for a million dollars if nobody would find out? And 46% of the people said yes. And because they thought, I get a million dollars and nobody will ever find out. So what do these two worthless men say? Let's take, get those two worthless men. Now, it's coming from the elders. It's coming from the leaders. You go out and find the two worthless men. Now, look at verse 11. So the men of the city, the elders and the nobles who lived in the city, did just as Jezebel had sent word to them, just as it is written in the letters which she had sent to them. So, who's doing this? 
the men of the city, the elders, and the nobles. It's not the two worthless men. Why are the two worthless men going to do it? Why do you think? They're going to give them money. They're going to give them something. I mean, you're not going to go do that unless you've got something in it for you. And so they're going to do it. And let me tell you, I think that the people, the worthless men will say that Nebuchadnezzar's got it. I think under the law, you know, it's death. And I think when you look at these people, is in 1 Kings 1, that we see Jezebel's power. They were afraid of her. I think these elders and these nobles, they knew that if they didn't do what she asked them to do, that they would come get, that she'd come get them. And so they'd probably say, it's better, better him than me. Because she's known as what? A wicked Person. And that's why today, if you call anybody, if, especially if you call a girl Jezebel, that, that's, as they say in, in Mississippi, them's fighting words. You know, you can't, you got to be careful. Because that means that you're bad, that you're a bad person, that you're a wicked person. So look what it says. So the men of the city, verse 11 again, the men of the city, the elders and nobles who live in the city, did as, did as Jezebel sent word to them, just as written in the letters that she had sent them. They proclaimed a fast. They seated Naboth at the head of the people. Then two worthless men came in and sat before him, and the worthless men testified against him, even against Naboth, before the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So what happened? So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. What did he do wrong? Nothing. He's a good man. He just said, I don't want to sell my property. It belongs to my family because if I sell it to you, it's in the city. I'll never get it back. So I'm not going to sell it. So she says, I'll get it for you. And so they make this plan and they do it. And they stone him. Let me tell you, we don't always understand stoning. But uh, I've read everything I can find. And normally in stoning, they actually dig, dig a hole in the ground that's big enough that you can throw somebody down in there and they can't get out of it. After they threw them down in there, they have big stones, big rocks. And they throw those down in there trying to hit the person. Most of the time, they do hit them. And then after they're hit with the stones, the rest of the people pick up the stones and they throw them down in there until the person is dead. So you get thrown down in a hole. You can't get out of it. They throw big black boulders, big old rocks down on you. And then whatever's left of you, they stone you to death. And that's what they did to Naboth. What did Naboth done wrong? Nothing. What has Jezebel done wrong and Ahab? They murdered, lied, cheated, and stolen. Verse 14. Then they sent word to Jezebel. They sent word to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. That's exactly what she wanted. And watch what she's going to do. Then Jeze when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jabel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive, but dead. Watch. Ahab heard Naboth was dead. Ahab rose to go down to, to take the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to possess it. Now we're going to see next week. He's going down to get his vineyard, which he's going to turn into a garden. Guess who's going to show up down there when he's there? A guy by the name of Elijah. And this is where we see what Elijah says and what happens. Very powerful stuff. Applications. Let's be content with what we have in the situations of life. Let's just face it. Uh, Ahab had everything he wanted, and yet he kept wanting more and more and more. And he wanted somebody else's vineyard. He wanted this and this and this. It is so easy to not be content. In fact, we have to what? Learn to be content. Just as Paul taught 
and, and uh, was it Philippians? He said, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content. Let me tell you, most people in the United States are not content. I mean, it was Black Friday. Everybody's got to go buy everything they can get their hands on, whether they want it or not. They just think they got to have it. And I mean, everybody's got, you got to have me 10 shirts, I got to have 20 shirts. You got five pairs of shoes, I need 10 pairs of shoes. We need everything because we're never really content. And that's really, really hard. Richard Halverson, who was the chaplain of the Senate, for years and years he's been passed away. But here's what he's, he read. He, he, here's one of his prayers one time. He said, forgive us, Lord. We seek to go faster and faster. We accumulate more and more. We find no meaning and satisfaction. We go faster and faster, but there's not enough time. We have more and more, but it never satisfies. We rarely are thankful for the time or possessions. Forgive us, and we may be thankful. And that was written a long time ago. Think of what it is now. Things go so fast. We must rest and trust in God in the circumstances of our lives. Especially at this time of the year, because we, you know, everybody's thinking of presents and Thanksgiving and Christmas and everything, and, and we have to be willing to be content. I read this; it's kind of funny to me. It says there was this ad in the paper, and it, it was for a tractor. It said, uh, "It says ad in the paper: Farmer wants to marry woman age 35 with tractor. Send picture of tractor." <laughs> <laughs> Second application, let's not compromise the truths of the eternal scripture and our character for some temporal gain. That's what they did. He wanted the vineyard. She, they, so they did everything. They compromised the Bible. They compromised their character. They compromised everything just to get this land. And let me tell you something. They're never going to enjoy it. They'll never enjoy it. Because we're going to see what happens to him. Because Elijah is going to come and he says, So, what have you done? And then he tells him what's going to happen. And it is really gross what's going to happen. And we'll see it. Uh, uh, in this right here, we've got to obey the Word. Obey the Word. Don't compromise and live by the Word of God. Galatians 6, 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, whatever man sows, that shall be also reap. You can see in this passage, particularly, Galatians 6, 7, because they sow evil, wickedness, lying, and murder, and they're going to reap it. It's going to come back on them, and we'll see it.